0: Hey Shane, oh, Shane, oh, Shane.
1: Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. What are you drinking there? Oh, I just bit of tea, mate. Bit of, sorry, was that tea? Yeah, tea, you know, it helps relax me, calms me down. Okay,
0: we'll put that shit down. Actually, you know what? Throw it out. I don't
1: even want to fucking see can it in my face right now. just finish it? No, no, first. don't finish
0: it. You know why? We've got a bag of Australian Warfighter coffee sitting in the kitchen, ready to go. What the fuck is that? You, you're telling me you never heard of Australian Warfighter Coffee no, no. let me hit you with some knowledge bro jeez you sound so revved up
1: about this yeah I've had
0: about three cups of it already okay, I'm, re- I'm ready to go mate it's veteran owned veteran operated mm-hmm. they're raising awareness for veteran issues mm-hmm. they give back to the veteran community what's better than that well nothing exactly so like I said throw the tea out AustralianWolffighterCoffee.com <laughs> check it out that was empty right yeah alright good Okay, before we get started, happy to announce our new proud partnership with Spadex Print and Design. The Defence Force community finally has its very own print shop, from business cards, banners, table throws, and all your display needs, iconic for stickers and labels. They also build websites, so support Australian veteran-owned business, proud to have served Spadex Print and Design. And they also have launched a new website for Australian military stickers called King's Corporal. Kings Corporal do personalized ribbon stickers, custom military stickers, and it's veteran owned business, which is even better. So get involved, support the cause at www.kingscorporal.com.au. All right, welcome back to the Maladjusted Monkeys podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Archer, joined always by my favorite co host, Mr. Shane Club. <laughs> Are you hey, Are right? you all right, mate?
1: <laughs> oh. You've got
0: that sound check sorted. We've had some issues and uh, Shane's just been a ball of stress for the last two hours. Oh my God. Trying to
1: set up that new laptop,
0: It's uh, that didn't work at all. Well, I'm glad you got it all working, mate, and we're recording and we've got a special guest today. Very excited to have him here. Uh, he's been in the Queensland Police Service for a lot longer than I have. It's Senior Sergeant Andrew DePere. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming along. We've said for a little while we we're gonna we're gonna do this, so it's just worked out well that um, timings well that we've been able to do it and get you on.
2: Yeah, I've been wanting to come for ages, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've got some free time to come.
0: Yeah, no, thanks. Um, well, we should probably start off. I know you as a, a senior sergeant who is a district duty officer, but for anyone who's not in the Queensland Police Service, can you just explain what your role is and what you do?
2: So probably for all the defence force. Um, I'm probably the equivalent of a R- RSM, so I'm the top of the non-commission rank. Yep. Um. I don't. I don't want to go any further. I'm happy sitting on that rank. Yep. Um. So basically, my role as a district duty officer is I look after ten stations, um, and run and I represent the uh, chief superintendent who's the district officer, probably a uh, lieutenant colonel is the equivalent. I look after his his um, platoon or brigade or whatever, and um and I'm his representative after ours, So. Yep. I um, I manage the dist- the, dist- the two districts, um, roughly about anywhere from 40 to 50 staff. And um, I attend major incidents as well. And, and oh, okay. So
1: it's not just like a lot of, I would imagine that that kind of rank, it's a lot of admin and stuff where you're actually getting out no. on the road. And
2: so DDOs, we're on the road. So I get picked up from home. That's one of my perks. Yep. But uh, the moment I drop my partner off, they, uh, I'm on, I'm on the road. So I, I'm I respond to jobs. I so wear a firearm, I, and and as um, Tom will attest, that um, most of the time I'm I'm in the thick of it. So I'm I'm a pretty. Hands-on. You don't mind a taser deployment. <laughs> I'm pretty. Sure. I'm in the thick of it most of the time, and uh, and I've been an operational police officer on my service. A little, oh, wow. Where a lot of my colleagues at this this rank um, uh, haven't been on the road, they've been going off and being a, a manager of a station or things yep. like that. But I I've actually been on the road for thirty years. So. Yeah, wow. How old were you when you joined? So, I was about 24. So, uh, I used to be in the fire brigade before. Oh, wow. So I was full, ha- full time? Yeah. So, I was in the Cairns fire brigade. Yep. And um, and before that, I used to work in the prisons. Oh, wow. So, I have got a bit of a background. And,
0: and you were I- in the reserves as well. I Yes, yeah, so I did seven years oh, in wow. the reserves in yep.
2: the 80s. Yeah, wow. Um, so, I started off as a uh, grunt. Walking around. Yeah, nice. Got sick Ooh, of that. I'd good. actually did my uh, recruit course at El um, Alamein in Port Augusta. Okay, right? yeah. So that's 40 degrees. And, yep. and so I got sick of walking around and grunting around. So I did. A, I was grunt for about three years. And um, and I was about 17. So then I drove trucks. And then I got sick of driving trucks because they were all the crash gearboxes. And then I finished up in the military police. So Oh, oh well. got, What was that like? Good. Finished yep. up with two hooks and yep. got my motorbike license and, and all my other stuff. So I was... It's quite good, and that sort of precursor getting me into the, into the police and the city side. So, yep. And
1: go, Oh, I was just going to ask, what 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 made you want to get out of the uh, transfer from the fireys to the police?
2: I always wanted to be a, a police officer. Like I'm third, fourth generation police. officer. Oh, okay, yep. Um, and I always wanted to be a, a cop. And um, when I was in the fireys, it, it sounds glamorous, but it's really boring. You're sitting around waiting for a fire to happen. And in Cairns, where I worked, the only thing that would happen in the mornings was the um, Japanese had cooked toast in their hotel room and they'd set the fire alarm <laughs> yeah. off. So then you'd have to go lights and sirens and yep. deal with that. And it was kind of boring. And, and I sort of applied at both the same time. And uh, and then the police took a while to come through. And when it came through, I went, you know what, I'll, I'll be happy to go. And
1: yeah, that's back. what that's what I came to realise because I was an auxiliary fire for, for about a year and a half. Yep. And yeah, it was like maybe... Four or five actual jobs, and the rest was just like the co op or the local grocery shops alarm going off, or someone burning toast or overcooking dinner. Yeah. And, I yeah. forgot you did that, eh? Hey? Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot that.
2: And it, it got quite like it. I could see in 30 years' time, I'd be bored shitless with it and go, fricking hell. And I yeah. don't regret it. Like, I've been a police officer 30 years. I still love it. I still love coming to work. Every day is different. Mm. And, uh,
0: so. well, I could, from working with you, like, I know that. You love being, like you said before, in the thick of it with the action. Like, you came to my station, was it two years ago? Yeah. When you come in as the boss for a little bit. Yeah. And you could just see that just sitting behind a desk all day. Just wasn't...
2: <laughs> did, did my head in. It <laughs> wasn't yeah. for you. Yeah. I, I used to be an officer in charge of Bodetta's station in uh, the country. Yeah. And absolutely loved it. Um, but my heart is on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't join this job to sit behind a desk uh, and managing people... Uh, has its challenges and, uh, yeah, there's a few people that challenge me. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, I said, well, no, I I, I really want to be back on the road and and a district duty officer job came up and and, uh, I jumped at it.
0: So, you've been in, you're saying before, nearly 30 years now.
2: So, 30 years. I've been in already 30 years but that's started academy. So, we count when you actually get out of the academy. So, it's 30 years in two weeks' time.
0: Yeah, wow. So, So when you first joined, I can imagine there'd be a big difference between what the job was like when you first joined to now and not just equipment wise, but...
2: Yeah, I agree. It When I first started, there was nothing about um, PTSD or stress or anything like that. Yep. Um, it's because we had a bit of a culture and it's probably a bit like the army where we could, um, after work, if we went to a shitty job, then we would have a drink afterwards. So we'd have a yep. few beers and there was a police club in town where you go in uniform after work and have a few beers so, we all would not necessarily sit around and talk about it, but we just, instead of going home and thinking about it, you actually well, with your mates that were there. Decompressed. Yeah, the exactly. Show. So, yeah. Um, so that was the really. And there was a lot of camaraderie there. Yeah. Whereas now the service has done a really good job of cutting that out. You'd have to be a brave officer in charge of a station to have a, a beer fridge in your station. Oh, mm. really? Yep. Because the service really frown upon it. Yeah. And it's just. And not there was any problems. Like, there was the odd problem with any alcohol. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the they just they just stopped all that. And so, the camaraderie of the police yeah. uh, has really died off.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one thing from when I left the military and came to the police, I was expecting the camaraderie to be just the same as the military. And then I quickly realized that it wasn't. Like, you finished a shift, like you saying before, and I was expecting us to hang around, have a beer or whatever, or just hang out with your mates because that's what we did in the army. You're always with your mates. Yeah. But now you finish a shift. And everyone goes their separate ways, you know, like you don't really decompress or Mm. talk about what happened.
1: And I think the thing that made it easier in the army for for that to happen was the fact that, you know, you had to live on for a long, uh, like four years before you even got looked at to move off base. So you were living with those people. So whether or not you you you're drinking or not, you were always with your mates, always chatting with them, which Mm. was was really good. Whereas now, you know, when I rocked up to to 2CR after I got back in, I think I was the only one who lived on base straight yeah. away. Everyone else just moved straight off. And yep. Yeah. How many stations have you worked at over your career?
2: So, I'll just do a, a snapshot. So, I yep. started in Fortitude Valley.
0: Yep. Um,
2: and that was... not Yeah, right at the Fitzgerald <laughs> Inquiry. So, oh, yep. half the sergeants were getting arrested for corruption. Oh, and to say Wow. A, a lot of arrests of police. So, the public perception of police was pretty horrid. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, after the valley, I, I went to the city and... Um, then I moved into Crime Operations Branch, which is the Drug Squad Homicide um, Child Abuse Unit. Uh, did a few years there, and and then I moved to back into uniform at Alderley. And uh, from orderly I got promoted to uh, Senior Constable at City Station. And then from City Station, I went to Surface. And um, from Surface, I went to Burley CIB as a detective. And, that would have been a good sport. Yeah, it was good. Busy. Yeah. Very busy. Yeah. Like, um, it wouldn't be uncommon to have 90 files on hand, each detective. Jesus. Which, in a suburban station, say, Dutton Park, they'd probably have 12. We'd have about 90. Oh, so, wow. Um, and everything happens on the coast, as you know. So, And then after that, I went to Holland Park, came back to Holland Park because I had to come on light duties. Yep. Uh, and then uh, from there, I got promoted to sergeant at Ellie Beach. Um, oh, nice. That was fantastic. Yeah. I had a police house overlooking the... Um, water
3: oh beautiful and
2: it was and i took a newborn baby there plus my three-year-old yep so we basically i had an offer of two stations city or with Sundays as a sergeant <laughs> and we said look it doesn't matter where we are with a newborn baby and as you'll find out as you all know it it you make the most of it and we haven't we loved it there yep and then from uh early beach i got promoted to senior sergeant at bow desert um as the officer in charge, and then from there I moved to DDO, and I've been DDO now for about 12, 12 years. Yep. So that's thirty years in a nutshell. What I've been doing now. Jeez. So. It sounds busy. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, but a thirty years. 30, so, yeah, I've thirty, spent years, 30 is long, years is a long time. So yeah, I've always made the point of moving every four to five years. Yep. Just so I don't get stale, and that's probably my my benefit where I've. I really love the job.
0: Yeah, and that's you have told me that a few times. You said, yeah. "Don't stay in one spot for yeah more than five years. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you will hit that stale point, which I guess I'm going through at the moment. But that's a yeah, different exactly, story, exactly.
2: <laughs> and, and it's and it's no nothing that I didn't do. Like oh, after four or five years, I went, I was I worked four years at Surface Paradise, and I'm like, freaking how every night was a busy night, and you're yeah. fighting everyone. Yep, and you went, I don't need to do this. Yeah, you know, I can go somewhere else where it's a lot nicer. And, yep, and look. I went to Ellie Beach, you know, you couldn't... Like, it's still policing, is policing, but Ellie yeah. Beach.
0: You mentioned yeah. um, public perception before, actually, which I want to touch on. From the early days in your career to now, can you see a difference in public perception towards police?
2: So, when I when I graduated and started, what what police said on the road was gospel. You did what you're... T- most people did what they were told. Um... And no one ever told you to get fucked or, yep. or abused you. Or the occasional per- occasional would want to take you on a box on with you. Yep. Um, but now that, that that's all died away, people don't mind throwing a punch at you. People don't mind spitting on you. Um, people don't mind telling you, you know, I've knocked on people's doors and they've gone, what do you F&Cs want? You know, like, we haven't
3: even started yeah. a dialogue. Yeah,
2: they don't know why you're there. Yeah, and that... Know? And that was to deliver a death message. Mm. Oh, wow. So they're, they're, these drunken idiots called their mum up to go to the... to, go to the, um, come pick up from the pub. She was pissed. And so she's crashed into the back of a... Uh, into a truck, killed herself. So we then had to go to these guys and say, look, mum's died. But that's how we were greeted. Oh, wow. You know, you just go... You know, Not
0: off to a good start. No, yet. so...
2: Yeah, so... But, yeah, the public perception... Um, it died away when we, when Fitzgerald inquiry was on the corruption. Yep. And then slowly over the years, the service has done a really good job building that back up. But you've always got that five percent of the population that absolutely hates our guts, no matter yeah. what we do.
0: So I guess it's hard now with we talked about this earlier, Shane, with social media and everything. Everyone's opinion gets put out there. Yeah. And most of the time, what gets noticed is more negative opinions or negative stories because that's what, you know, people want to see and it yeah. starts trending. So,
2: well, we saw that this week, you know, the firefighters out there working 12, 15, mm-hmm. 18 oh. hours a day, and some fascist gets on the, on the, and gets a, gets a forum and still getting a forum saying, oh, when they finish, they're going to go home and commit DV on their missus
1: yeah you that is right? just mind-boggling yeah and the, yep.
2: and the press focused on that not the great work that these firemen are doing i don't know about mm. you but if i'm doing 18 hours in the hot fire that'd be the last thing i would go home and thinking oh well i'm getting home i'm gonna just punch on with my missus." yeah yeah exactly you know, like i'd be having a shower and saying i've had a half hard, hard night I don't to go to bed
0: yeah 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 be exhausted and like that's and we know like that's not the case like obviously domestic violence exists but to come out and say, this is what's going to
1: happen, this is ridiculous. You know, I'd like to know where she gets her facts and figures from. Yeah.
2: It's just insulting, you know, and and that's where we are as a society. It's not about celebrating. We, we want to blame someone. Yeah. We want to bring them down, you know, and that's and that's no different than police, army. You know, you look at the, the VC winners. Yeah. They're all getting crucified, mm, yeah. you know, and yep, yep. let's attack them for doing their job, you know. Yeah. Or, it's just, and it's and it's right across the board. Let's have a go at anyone that wants to stick their, give their forum. And you're saying uh, internet, bring allows them to have that platform.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess when you know when you were first in the service, yeah, you come across your negative stuff, but you'd only hear about it if you were at a situation and someone saying it to you directly. Whereas now, like I said, you see it on social media or it's on on the news. All the negative opinions about police or any emergency services, and now we're seeing. Like uh, Ambo's being attacked all the time. Was that something that happened in your uh, earlier in your career where Ambo's always being this abused physically? Never. No, never,
2: ever. Ambulance and fireys were always, never picked on. Yep. Now, like I was watching the um, the uh, Triple O emergency the other day and they and they had the ambulance had on the back of their ambulance saying no to assaulting ambulance staff. Yep. And this bloke yeah, pulled I've up. A, did you yeah. see that? The bloke pulled up and said something oh, you all deserve to be bashed anyway remember the public just wound the window and these two ampos, you should have seen them how shocked they were and they just come from saving two or three people's lives and this guy toots at the lights and makes them wind down the window and says that and i'm like is that where we've come to as a society where you can't even recognize the people there and you know how hard they go oh yeah when someone needs help yep. you know it's the same with the police you know same with the fire and even we're starting to see fireies attack now for going to put out stolen burning cars it's, it's mind-boggling, like,
0: yeah. I'd...
1: especially ambos and fireys.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the cases with ambos, it's drug-affected people, I think, isn't it? That's mainly doing the assaults, like...
2: It's since ICE has come on board, I think. ICE is the factor that's
0: yeah really
2: good, because most people with... Probably in the older days, heroin. So, so as soon as they're in with Narcan, they come up fighting. Yeah, because oh, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: it brings them back and they're My a wife's a nurse,
2: up. and she, she used to get assaulted more times than I did. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. She used to get punched and slapped all the time. She'd come home and go, "Our oh, patient hit me today. Mm. So, so, that's you can sort you of write that off as medication and yeah. going through what they're going. You can't condone it, but you can sort of... Understand
1: it understand it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so, with going back to all the mental health stuff, we've touched on how camaraderie earlier in your career is a lot different to what it is now. Did you see many people having issues earlier on in your career? Never. And falling off the bird. No?
2: No, we never saw... We did have a lot of drunk sergeants, so the sergeants were all drunks. They... <laughs> and that's probably masking what they... Yeah. Going yeah. Through. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can sort of see now that I've come up into that, into the older sort of era now we're on the, the sergeant. Yep. Um, you can see why that they, they were drunks, you know? Like I'm talking they'd sit there with a glass of um, Coke or a, a can of Coke and half of it would be rum. And well, it's while they're working. Yeah, and they just progressively got drunker and drunker for the shift and you yep. just went... So you just avoided them. Yeah. That could be what they have going through. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, none of the none of the constables or senior constables you'd see yep. PTSD or someone falling off the perch because there was just that support base around.
0: Yep. And did ever, anyone ever mention when they had issues or it just wasn't talked about? Wasn't talked about, but,
2: but yep. we did. And I, I still recall, you know, 25 years ago where a child was... Mum was taking a child off the, uh, off the uh, ferry, and the child slipped in between the ferry, and it and it drowned. And <sighs> we didn't find it for a couple of days. So that job, when we got back to the station, everyone said, "Right, we're getting a cart and a beer, yep. and we're gonna sit around." And we didn't really talk about the job, but it was just winding down from the job, yeah. and not going home by yourself and going, "Oh fuck," you know. But we wound down, and so there was about ten of us. We're all pretty well upset, and I can name, I can see every person sitting there having a beer. Yep. But we debriefed about it, and that's the thing we don't do now. Mm. When
1: did that start to happen, that um, people would either start coming forward or that the um, service actually started to recognise it and start putting steps in place to uh, mitigate it Or
2: I think we've seen the emergence over the last sort of uh, 10, 15 years yep. when we, we now take people from a professional um, so a- academic side, so we're getting graduates from university. So a lot of the people coming to the police now are university trained. Where, so they've left school and they've gone straight into school and they've, they've done their degree and then they've come into the police. Whereas before, a lot of my mates were carpenters and plumbers and things like that. So they had life experience, so they saw what life was out there a bit. Yep. And they're exposed where where these kids coming from university, they've got no life experience. All they've got is school, university, straight into the job. Mm. So that's what I'm saying is is where. And potentially not a lot of
1: interpersonal skills because of um, the way that uh, my gener- our generation communicates now and a lot of it's not verbally face-to-face. A lot of yep. it's over mm-hmm. a screen and
2: over a phone. Yeah, well, we never had that. You know, like if we wanted to call our boss, we had to get on the radio. And the radio used to be about this big. <laughs> A bit like the radios used to lug on my back when I was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the man packs. Yeah, you know, you'd never want to be the, the, no. the, the signalman. you just go, no, I'd rather be, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be up on point. Yeah. In, yeah.
0: in the earlier days, if there was someone who had an issue, did the service
2: have anything in place to help them? Oh, uh, not to the extent now. No? Not to the extent now. So, no. um, we... The service in their defence are getting... Better at saying, hey, we need to do something here. Yep. So I'd say in the last 15 years, we started employing um, psychologists, you know, not yep. enough. Yep. We started training our police and peer support officers. So we've got about 600 of those. Yeah. Um, so, but still not enough. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and I've got some views we'll talk about later what I think we should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, both in the military and also the police. Um, yep. And, and it's and that's mainly from my personal experience lately. yeah. That yep. I've actually changed my whole way of thinking.
0: Okay. What um? Wanted to ask you, what do, the current system we have in place? Can you just explain what the process is for if someone goes to a critical incident, um, looking after that person?
2: All right. So uh, myself as the district duty officer, and I'm speaking for myself. I can't speak for everyone else. Yep. I actually look at my staff and saying, okay, and 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 you know that I'll, I'll I won't say anything. I'll just observe and I see how they're coping with it, and um and then I basically contact her on call hsa human service officer which is psychologist and i say okay these following people there's five people falling off the perch and there's five that are still affected by this job so then she'll send us an email he or she will send us an email saying look it's perfectly normal the feelings you're having and then they'll follow up on monday um but it's basically left up to me at the scene to to see how people are
0: so if it doesn't start with you then something may not People may not get yeah. a phone call or anything like that.
2: Most of our district duty officers will contact the HSO on yep. call at a critical incident. So.
0: Yeah. And you and me were talking about this earlier, Madison, because like, mm-hmm. I was trying to explain like the critical incidents and how you do get contacted after that. Yeah. It's hard to know what's going to affect someone, yeah. isn't it? Like we all know a critical incident, and by that we mean you know if there's uh, a death or like a firearm job or something like that. Um, that's an obvious one to say, hey, someone may want to talk to that officer. But the, as you and me know, Andy, the little things of a job, it may not be a big job that can affect someone as well. So it's harder to pick up on, on stuff like that, isn't it?
2: It's it's the routine jobs. And uh, and when I was at Dutton Park, um, my style of management is um, that I would do managing for the first two hours. And that's answering emails, doing the finances, looking at what happened the night, last 24 hours, reading the logs. And then you probably noticed when I was working there at Dutton Park, then I would come out onto the floor for two hours and I'd talk to my staff, not about work, about their personal life, and get to know them, what affects them and things like that. Who's got kids, who hasn't got kids, who's divorced, whatever. And then I'd go back in the afternoon, finish off the emails and then, and yep. do that. And sadly that we don't do that, mm. we don't bother to check with our staff and see how we're going. Yep. And after 35, 38 staff at Dutton Park, I knew everybody's um, details of their lives. Mm -hmm. not drilling right down but i knew about them where i could form the decision so we're saying before the backdoor stuff that comes and gets you is if you're a parent and and we've got the lady salento or the children's hospital in dutton park now that is a fantastic establishment but it's a burden on the police that work in there because every critically injured child from around queensland gets choppered in there and flown in there so you're talking a police officer with a three-year-old son or a police policewoman with a, or with a three-year-old son or a six-year-old and we're sending them to Lady Salento for a child that's passed away. Mm. You know, are we bothering to ask about whether, are you all right with this? Yeah. So what I've started doing as a DDO, and it's just me, none, none of the others do it, but I, I actually say, before you dish out that job, you need to ring me first and then I ring the crew that's going to get the job and say, are you happy to do this? And people have said no. I'm not. Mm. And so that that's just that little thing, you know, that can affect someone who goes home to their three-year-old child. Mm. So. And that's part
1: of that, um, I guess, that critical uh, management of your personnel. Yeah. yeah, Like understanding, yeah, like you were saying before, if you know that they have a family and how old their children are, it's like, oh, well, I probably won't send um, X because he's got, you know, kids are roughly the same age. But, you know, why is a single... Uh, Single guy, we'll send him or, you know, mm-hmm. are you happy
2: with that? Yeah. Yeah. And But follow up afters and say, look, how, how was that job? Yeah. How are you going, you know? And so that's that's what we don't do very well. And I was sort of saying before, like, when I've done management training at university level. Nothing, nothing at all is about how we manage our troops like that who are involved in critical incidents. My nephew's at uh, ADFA at the moment. Yep. Yeah. ADFA? Yeah. yeah there's nothing in here. So he does a three-year university um, course, and when he finishes that, he does the Air Force grab him and say, okay, now we're going to teach you how to be a leader. But I guarantee you there's nothing in there about welfare of your troops. Mm. And yeah. that's that's where we need to start focusing on. So in the university degree, in our universities and our, and our, and our academies, we need to start saying, okay, this is how you manage people, but this is what you need to do on the side as well and have a whole term on that instead yeah. of just coming out and saying oh, yeah, I can be a manager and I can run a platoon or run run this but or run a, a district but there's nothing ever about being a leader
0: yeah and I, f- I think sometimes you find that when there is some sort of training for managing people or being a leader it comes across as so like um, robotic yeah and it's like a checklist like I've had uh, jobs in the past where HSO has called me a few days after I've been to a critical incident And we're talking on the phone, but it just sounds like they're ticking off a checklist. Yeah. You know, they'll ask me a question. And I'll answer it and there'll be a bit of silence and then they're like, "Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can understand what you're trying to say there. And it kind of felt like they weren't really listening to what I was saying. They were just like writing stuff down. I'm sure they are listening, but their interpersonal skills- like, it's hard to do that on a phone. Yeah. Mm. You know, I like, oh, I've never met this person before. And if you don't I feel think,
3: listened like- to as well, yeah. then... What's that? If you don't feel listened to as well, and you're just like, these guys don't care, that's going to affect you as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like well, It just reinforces that, like, yeah, I just want to get out of here and go home, and I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Um,
2: well, you feel like it's just an alarm's popped up on their phone, and they've gone, oh, God, I've got to ring Andrew. Yeah. You know? Yep. I've got to see... and. I'll talk about what happened to me recently in a a little bit, but um, I really think our psychologists should be embedded in the... Yeah, yeah. And so they need to be police officers before the psychologists. Yeah. So they don't have to do five or ten years in the police service or five or ten years in the army, but at least put them through basic training Mm -hmm. and say this is what they're exposed to. Yeah. At least put them out in the field at a deployment and say this is what they're exposed to. Yeah. Yeah. This is what's going on. So if you put a, and, I, and I've been a while now, what are the platoons or battalions or whatever? So why isn't there a psychologist that's been an army personnel mm. embedded in each platoon yeah. or each battalion or whatever? Why is there not a psychologist? Like the police service has got 11,000 police officers. How many HSO psychologists do you reckon we've got? in really the police? We've got, si- we've got six. Six to do 11,000. What? Wow. Six. So. How is there only six? Yeah. So they're not police officers. They don't know what it's like. And so they're just ticking a box and you just mm. go, why don't we train them and say, so, and there's plenty of psychologists out there who are graduating, mm. guarantee it. Why don't we say, okay, you want to be a psychologist? Let's hire 30 psychologists. But you're going to do a year being a police officer. For yeah. 10. Then yep. you can move out of that and then you can be embedded into a big station like Mount Gravatt Station or Fernie Grove Station. They've got their own psychologist. Yep. And how
3: comfortable would you be sitting down talking to someone you know they understand what you're going through, but they've got the processes to help you? Mm. That would be amazing.
0: Well, one thing I've noticed since we started doing the podcast, obviously I'm no professional no psychologist, <laughs> but since being open about you know my ups and downs and things I've been through, once people started listening to the podcast at work, people would get in a car with me, and people I've worked with for like you know three four years would just start telling me all this personal stuff about them. And it would become like a decompression shift where i just listen to them and say, well, I understand what you're saying. You know, this is the stuff that's that I've been through and what's helped mm-hmm. for me. And I think because, you know, I'm a police officer that's on the road and being open about, you know, my mm-hmm. issues, they, people are happy to talk and then they feel better about it. And that would work. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if you have a psychologist that's been out on the road, yeah. but they have the professional, um, I guess, background to listen and give advice but then say well i also know what it's like on the road because i've done it Mm. i think people would you know respond really well to that
2: yeah exactly and the same with and and it crosses over to defense force crosses over Mm. to the fireys crosses over to the ambulance crosses over to doctors and nurses you know like we just don't place enough emphasis on it and how much would it save for work cover for a start Mm. yeah Mm. you know I know the police has about a hundred police officers off on work cover now, mm. on, with uh, mental health issues. Yep. You know, so those hundred are not at work. Yeah. How good would it be if, if the, the psychologist in bed, who knows anyone, knows mm. those people and goes, "Righto, I'm dropping around to see them today." Yep. Mm. And then talk about it and say those feelings you've got, it's all natural. Yeah. What you've been exposed to. Yep.
0: So. And it'd be it would come across less clinical. Mm, I think yeah. that's where you know when it feels just like a clinical kind of meeting someone you don't know you're reluctant to kind of open up about it yeah. it, just, it just seems odd but yeah if they were embedded you knew this person you know you got to see them like once a week just even just in passing to say good day or have a coffee or whatever even when you're feeling good you know when you do have those down times yeah. I think it'd be easier to open up and mm-hmm. have a chat with them
2: and what about if they're in uniform mm. yeah, you know, well, that... so they're a sworn officer yep. or they're, they're a defense force officer or defense force enlisted person so they're, they're in uniform yeah. So straight away you can relate. Instead of someone sitting down with a HSO or a PSO or whatever, who are not in uniform, mm. and you can relate.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that would work. So. Would, would you reckon I would cross over to defence, Shane?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: it will probably all, never happen. But it's, but it's, so, it's, um, all, yeah.
2: it's all about it, it, it's all about money. Yeah, hundred yeah, so yeah. percent. And what the police look at is. Okay, they'll go. How much is this going to cost? Yeah, and the first thing they'll ask in the next breath is, "What's the benefits?" Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I'll give you an example. Of what New South Wales Police have done, and they and they've done a really good job. So, they've actually hired a warehouse. So this warehouse is a fully equipped gym, and embedded in there is a psychologist, embedded in there is a dietitian, uh, embedded in there is a psycho- psychiatrist, and uh, personal trainers. So they and counselors. So they're basically. When you fall off the perch, you're transferred to this this section for three six months, however long it takes, and they rebuild you and they put you back on the path where you can come back as a productive officer, mm. not staying home for three or four mm. years and never coming back and getting pensioned off.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. and so see that's a great idea, like a, that's a wellness awesome center. Idea.
2: So, yeah, like a wellness center. Yeah, yep. and so they re- and say, okay, we understand that you've been through this trauma, but we're gonna we and it's perfectly normal, and now we're gonna rebuild you. And Victoria's just moving that way as well because unlike um, Queensland, I think we've lost about 10 officers in the last 10 years to to suicide. Victoria lost 35 in the same time. Oh, wow. Federal police have lost 25. You know, so if they... And that would probably only cost $10 million a year. But the savings Mm. of not losing that trained officer... Mm. and putting it back on the street. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, what like you
0: said, rebuilding, it's a perfect yeah. way to look at it because, yeah, when you go off work, you pretty much cut yourself off from the job completely, go And home. the community from and, your yeah, work. You, yeah, yeah, your community. So then when it is time to come back, you're just being rushed straight back into it without like an integration, yeah. I guess, without rebuilding an integration. Yeah. yeah. I get, the army kind of does
1: that don't like i guess with the, you... um soldier recovery center yeah i don't know too much about it but that is do you know anything it, not really I, I haven't gone there or anything like that yep. but um i was just thinking like well like all these things would be like really good nice to have like a, a psychologist embedded into your unit would be awesome um i reckon they'd have to just one thing i'd, I'd like to see is like not just on a, a one-on-one basis where they're engaging with people with issues but Potentially, like a like a PTI, like a physical trainer, where they're yep. coming up with um, you know uh, training programs for for the squadron or for the for the section or for the platoon. Yep. The same way, psychologists should be thinking about ways in which they're going to develop and foster a um, a um, like build a culture, a culture a, in a, in a group. of um, yep. people talking um, yep. or being able to open up. Because I've noticed a lot same same thing with some of the people from from works and from some of my old units. You know, they'll actually open up to me now and like. Just by them being able to open up and talk to someone who they know has gone through a similar thing, Mm. even if, you know, it's not from a deployment or something like that, um, I I feel like that's what's helped me the most is not necessarily like talking to the psych helped, but um, just talking to a mate first can be like enough to get you onto that path. Mm. Um, Yeah, so...
0: Oh, no, it's so complicated. Man. It is. But just remind me. You've told me about something you've done recently, but not in too much detail. Something you do with the first years that yes. comes through.
2: So, uh, about uh, about seven months ago, I went to a uh, and I, I worked out it was a friend of mine. I didn't realize it at the time, but I went to a uh, police suicide, and he he'd actually medically retired out of the service with a with a um, illness, and uh, when that illness progressed, he he decided to take his own life. So I was the DDO on the shifts. So I went there and I was very conscious about who was going to get exposed to this this incident. And um, so after I left, it did affect me and and I'll talk about a few things later, but um, it affected me and I sort of broke down at the end of the street and had a bit of a tear up about it because I then realised I actually knew this person. And and when you're looking down at a, a person that's deceased, you really can't tell who's who. But I actually, when I drove off, I it came back to me and went, "Shit, I know this person," you know. So, um, so what I what I thought then? What can I do to stop this ever happening again? How can we bring those ten deaths down to zero? So, um, basically, I I target the the new constables coming in. So on their first day of being sworn in, I do a lecture, and it's a bit corny. It's about half an hour. I've got a an ex police dog. She's black, and so I bring her in as a prop. So she's the black dog and the black dog wanders around the room and doesn't discriminate against who gets mental illness. And, and basically I start off with, um, okay, this is the day in the life of police and it was a really busy Monday, this shift, and this is for the whole of Brisbane. So on one Monday, just a normal Monday day shift, we shot dead an offender. There were four people killed in traffic accidents and four of those were kids. And people say, well, that happened at King Arroy. But those three kids got chopped into our area. Mm-hmm. So they were affecting us. Um, I dealt with about six sudden deaths that day. so you, And then, then you're not counting the traffic accidents, the suicides and things like that happen on, on any given day. And I said, this is what we're going to expose to you and it could happen on your first day. And then I'll talk about statistics of why police kill themselves. And yeah. I'll talk about how many people a year actually want to kill themselves and who succeeds. And uh, and then we and I talk about how you can fall off the perch, and it's been a bit of a learning curve with me because I have fallen off the perch in the last few weeks, and so I'm actually changing my my uh, lecture a bit, yep. Um, to, and I want a few visual aids so that the troops get a look at it and say, okay, this is what this is what happened, yep. And this is how it can happen to you. So, so what happened with me? And I hope I keep keep my shit together. It's <laughs> all right. Uh, Tommy pushed all my buttons last time, and <laughs> and, and I did. And I, and I fell over, but basically um, this year I've been exposed to a few incidents and, and just a warning that there are some triggers for this, this next bit of the story uh, for your people out there. Um, so a, uh, a gentleman decided to kill himself and whilst we were looking for him, he went across a bridge and, and as soon as the police pulled up, he jumped off and landed on the road. Well, stupid me, always in the right place at the wrong time, he landed in front of me. And so uh, he fell about 25 metres. So I, I get out of the car and I switch straight into um, routine mode. Put my gloves on, safety, make sure no one hits us. And I go to treat him and, that, and, he, and I, he's in the throes of dying. And uh, so I called him on the radio and said he's dying. So uh, then uh, I, I, the day before I just did uh, what we call active arm offender training and we do tactical first aid. And it sort of came back to me, so I did all the racking and the and uh, so I, he, he, it, he without going too much detail, there was massive trauma on his face. So I cleaned out all the debris from his face, got the blood out, and he's come back to life. Wow! So um, so he's still got major trauma, like he's he's touch and go whether he's going to live or not. But he's got mass, massive trauma. Anyway, so I was I'm the DDO. I'm on the shift. I've been exposed to the most trauma. So I ring up the HSA and said, look, we've got five people that have fallen off the perch. And I found five people that had fallen off the perch. The three up the top and the couple down the bottom plus me. So I ring the HSA and I said, are you coming out to this? She goes, no. I said, aren't you on call? Haven't you got a police car? Haven't you got a getting paid on on call allowance? She goes, I don't come out to those incidents. I said, what do you come out to? She goes, oh, police shootings and things like that. I said, well, this is up there. so she So she didn't. She didn't um, come out. She gave me advice how to get to the troops. So I'm looking after all the troops because there's a, there's a few there that fell off the perch. Me, and I didn't. I was just doing manage, management. Yep. And uh, anyway, so I'm getting everyone sorted. And, and there's a couple that I want to follow up the next day and say, how are you going? So I'm telling everyone else to take two days critical incident leave but didn't look out for me. Mm. I just mm. went. So I come back to work next day. And everything's good. I drive past the site a couple of times so I didn't yeah. have the site avoidance. Yeah. And um,
1: you did that intentionally?
2: Yeah. 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 One time it was lots of oh. sirens, so, on, so we, we flew straight past. Yeah. And it just so happened that one of the police officers went sick from a station. And, the, and so normally I put the crew in my car with me. Mm-hmm. And she just happened to be a counsellor in a previous before she tried to job. Okay. By. So she didn't ask me too many questions, but she we just talked. And it was good. It was a good day. So the next day, Monday, I had what we call an admin shift so I was off the road and then the Tuesday um, oh no on the Sunday the next day after it happened the HSA rang me and said um, who's a trained psychologist and I explained the whole job to her I gave her a briefing note exactly what happened who was exposed to what and uh, she said how are all the troops going uh, did you manage to speak to them all and, and help him out and I said yeah yeah and she's about to hang up <laughs> And I said, what about me? And she Mm. goes, what do you mean? I said, I saw the most trauma. I was exposed to the most trauma. And she goes, oh, how are you? And I said, a bit fucking late now, isn't it? Mm. And hung up on her. And then I get this token phone call the next day from the HSO and just ticking the boxes. Yeah. Not really giving me any things. And and then I came in and saw Tom the next day on the Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I think it was the Tuesday.
2: Yeah, and we started talking and he could see I wasn't right. And... uh, and I I started to lose it. So he pushed me into the side there. But the whole day room saw that I lost it because I just couldn't keep it together. Yeah. And then the um, one of the bosses grabbed me and took me upstairs and said, look, I'll drop you home. And I said, look, I'm not suicidal. I'm just upset. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I realized straight away that, and and trust me, I have seen more things than anyone else has seen. But I think my, my cup was just too full. Yeah. yeah. yep. So, and uh, straight away I recognised something was wrong. So I pulled myself off the job and I said, right, I need to take some time off from this job. So I've gone on work cover um, straight away. I, and one of the guys said, you need to get hold of this psychologist He used to be a copper for 18 years. So he did 12 years in Western Australia and then he did eight years or something in the federal police. So I said, I want to get hold of him. So the first time I had to go see him was at Namble because that's the only appointment he had. Yep. So I went and saw him and it's the best thing I ever did. And and I and I've never been to psychologist in thirty years.
0: So this is your first time yeah, seeking yeah. like external help. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and yep. I've
2: always not that I haven't fallen off the perch before. Yeah. Um, but I have. Um, but I've never sought professional. But I yep. realized i I've got four years to go. I don't want to take this into retirement. I don't mm. fuck up my retirement life. Yeah. With this hanging over me, so I wanted to get it treated treated straight away. And this this guy's really good. I won't mention his name, but he's really good, like and that's the secret. You've got to find someone that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, so he, he started talking to me and, and he's given me a few good tips. And I've seen him four times now. And uh, we alternate between the city and that. And uh, he he sees about 40 50 cops. He specialises in police. And uh, he, he's astounded that um, the lack of support we get. And so so I'm going through and it. And I'm making a point that... I'm, and I'm really good luck. I have probably like your listeners and probably like you, Tom, is... Um, I woke up with this feeling in my guts and I knew I was going to have a bad day. And I just said to my wife, it's a funny feeling that I had in my guts. Um, like the first couple of days after I took um, sick leave, I was a mess. I was crying every two seconds. And you know. And I said, right, I'm going to have to. So I stopped drinking alcohol straight away because it's dep- depressive. Mm-hmm. I upped my fitness. So I've been going to the gym every day. I go for a walk every day. And um, I-, I talked to my wife a little bit. And then I just basically withdrew from the job and said, right, time for me to heal. Yeah. So my psychologist says that I've been exposed to a massive trauma. Doesn't think I've got PTSD. Uh, he said that it takes about four weeks to come on anyway. Um, he says, but your body will take eight to 12 weeks to heal. Mm. And um, so I've gone through this, like some days I'm a sad sack, but I've just mm. had six days of feeling really good. And then I had another sad sack day. Yeah. And so he sort of gives me strategies. What are you going to do about having that sad sack? But, and that's why it's changed my opinion on how I'm going to do this lecture because that that overwhelming sort of sense of depression that comes through you from the guts, and you can and you just wake up with it. Yeah. You know? Yep. And you just go, And I've never had that before. Mm. And I and I, I text my wife and say I'm going to have a bad day today. She goes, How do you know? I said, I just woke up. I
0: mm. can feel it. Yeah. It it feels like it overpowers you. Mm. Hey, just, That's yeah. That's the
3: best way I've heard it explained. Yeah. It's the best way I've ever heard that explained. Mm. It is. It's it comes from you, your your stomach. It comes yeah. from yeah. your guts. Yeah. It yep. does. And
0: you don't understand it, you don't no. know like as is, you know It's
2: you, a wave too. Yeah, it's, it's like, just like it just wave. waves over you. And it's uh, and it, uh, and uh, and it's some some days it's been all day. Yep. And some days I've gone, Well no, I'm not gonna fucking cop this. Mm. So I'll go I'll walk to the gym. I'll go to the gym and now I don't set the world on fire in the gym. I'm uh, fifty six <laughs> but I go mm. and I walk back from the gym the, the gym's' um, it's about five thousand steps there and back. yep and uh, so and not having alcohol and and looking at my body, my body's a temple. Mm. that's really worked and and going to going to the see the psychologist and talking to him and he's and he's just a tool that I'm going to make to get myself better. Mm. and so last week I had two good days. This week I've had six good days, so I celebrate those good days. And yeah. I'm getting better. I can feel my body's healing. Yep, I feel good, and is and I'm not breaking down like I did before. Yeah. So, um, but
0: you're gonna have those. You know, it's all right yeah, to have those and, times because. And, and, and,
2: but yeah, and that's what and that's what. Uh, but one thing that I've really really appreciate, I've had about forty or fifty texts, not from senior management, but from my friends. Yeah, mm. and not just tokenistic stuff. They were going, I'm here for you mm. if you want to catch up for a coffee. And some days you don't want to talk to anyone. But yeah. I've gone and I've made an effort to go speak to these people. We haven't talked about the job. We just had a laugh. Yeah. Mm, and I yeah. felt really good just getting out and doing stuff. Yeah. And, and – so I plan to do family stuff. And so my wife and I went and saw that new Terminator movie the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any
0: good? My hair's terrible.
2: Yes. She, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the first scene was a chick falling off a bridge. Oh, and she, stop it. there. My wife looked at me and she goes, are were right." And I said, yeah, I'm a, it's surprising not affected me. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but with, the week before when I was in in a really bad way, uh, we were watching Power on Stan, which is the drug... You keep getting, was, trying to get me onto that one.
0: I yeah. haven't watched it yet.
2: Anyway, one of the scenes, one of the chicks blows another chick's head off and uh, there's blood everywhere. Well, that affected me. And I said, well, I really didn't need to see that. Mm. So, I oh. so you just, just
3: don't know what's going yeah, to trigger it. Tri- and, yeah.
2: And like the other day I was walking to, I was, had to go in the city to see my psychologist. And I'm walking along and I'm enjoying the day going, "Wow, well, isn't this a great day? Propping myself up. And uh, because I know sometimes I walk out of psychologist and I not feel like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I go, I'm walking along and this bloke didn't move out of the way and shoulder charged me. <gasps> like, hold on, charge, shoulder charge me. Oh, my God. And and I never carry my badge in my pocket. And I, I wanted to turn around and go and grab him. Yeah. But I knew it would be a fight. I knew I'd get into a big mm. fight. And I said, and how angry I have been, I probably would have smacked him out. It would have been a big... Mm. So, yeah. so I just ignored it and said, "Well, I think he came off second best because I didn't. I held my ground and I walked fairly like a copper, you know, or mm. sort of with a bit of confidence." And and I thought, "Well, that prick must go around Sydney doing that to everyone." So I, I told my psychologist, and he goes, "Oh my God, that bloke could not have picked a worse person to do that <laughs> yeah. He says, "I'm surprised you didn't rip him a new one and punch on with him." Mm. He said, "Because a few of my clients I've got would have." Yeah, and I went. I said. A younger version of me, I would have. Yeah, that, that's really interesting that
1: takes what you just a lot said of... there. Like, um, that psychologist's response to that was like, I'm surprised you didn't do that. Like, that the understanding that he was bringing to the table from mm. his experience, you know, yeah. Like, not can he's not obviously not condoning it, but he understands he's, he's showing that he understands where you're coming from yeah. with it. Um, yeah. And like, I think that's why, like, what I was getting at before was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a bit of a pessimist. So I don't know if a more bit. psychologists <laughs> is, going to, is going to fix anything. Um, but as managers and leaders and what you're doing is just instilling into people that culture of looking after each other. Mm. Like if we can get that right at a base level, like mm. people genuinely going like looking after each other, yeah. that I reckon is going to be, you know, the key to one, people um, – opening up about it and to then being able to actually seek that professional help if they need it. Um, And what I wanted to ask before was like, do you think that perhaps it's a bit of um, apathy in like the senior, um, in the senior ranks and some of the psychologists that like, these are things that happen so often in your job and in your role. that it's like, oh yeah, it's just another day. It's just a, it's just expected.
2: Yeah. It's just expected. Like I think the people that rang me and spoke to me, uh, And the next level up is what we call a regional duty officer. They're inspectors. Yeah. So they're the bottom of the commissioned officers, like a second lieutenant or something like that. So they're the ones that rang me. When they saw it on the log, they rang me and said, holy shit, we just saw that job. Are you okay? Hmm. They didn't know I'd fallen off the perch. Yeah. So they said, are you okay? We just saw that job. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm actually step back. Whereas the ranks above that, which half of them didn't even read that log. Yeah. Half of them didn't know what had happened, or I'd say 90% of them didn't know what happened, judging by the lack of phone calls. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, you're right. I think, and I was thinking as I was driving here, we can't change the government. We can't change mm. the, the hierarchy of the police service. Yeah. To say yeah. We need more psychologists and we need this and this. We, as the troops, yeah, we are the ones that are going to change it and we are going to break down those cycles and say, listen, um, how are you today? And no. Ask the mm. questions, you know. And mm. I and as you say, people watch this and, and go, Oh Tom, they sit in the car with you and they open up. Mm. And you know, so that we are the ones who are gonna change it. So the non commissioned officers of Defence Force and we're gonna break down this stigma and it's mainly and it's mainly men, because women are I'm jealous of women because they've got such a good network with their friends. Mm. You talk on a better level to your mm. friends, yeah. yeah. Whereas men, we just don't talk on that level. No, mm. and that's the barrier we need to replace and say, it's not a gay thing, it's not a bloody thing. It's just we need to talk to our mates and say, not are you not using the token? Are you okay? Is I feel what you're going through. Yeah. I've been through it. This is how I get over it, and this is where. And as I said, this is where it starts for me. Maybe different for people
1: yeah we are the ones that are going to change i wonder if that's why like alcohol has always been such a um like so closely related to these things and why men have always um used alcohol as that coping mechanism because like when you get into those um groups and like little your little tribe and you do have a drink you're able to actually not necessarily talk about it but open up a bit more just talk and Instead of being inside your head, it allows you mm. to be um, more extroverted instead of introverted yeah. and it gets you out of your head a lot more. And that's I think that's perhaps why alcohol is, you know, predominantly used yeah. as a... Well, you as know, most co-
0: people use it as like social lubricant for going to events. You know, if you know there's yeah. be a lot of people there that you haven't met before, you're like, mm. oh, I'm going to need a few drinks, you know, to talk to these people. Mm. And I know from experience with you, Shane, like in the earlier days when you were going through issues, when you would drink, yeah, you'd be more open about your issues, but it would come out
2: the wrong way. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, like, I was going to say, shot right, yeah. Past, uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: right yeah. past, yeah, right past talking about it and into a different. I guess
2: when we go for, we'll go for drugs and alcohol, mm. um, and police. We're only re- and army and and defence force. We're only a reflection of society. There's drugs and alcohol in the police. Mm. At the be in defence force, yeah, everywhere we use mm. them as a. Okay, I'm sick of feeling like this, but when I drink. Those few hours when I drink, I don't feel like that, and I'm having a break from how I feel. Yeah. yeah. But the downside, and that's one of the reasons why I've jumped off the drink, and not that I drink very much, I've jumped off it because the downside can spiral you down and mm. you go down further. So, yeah. And that, and that's just me. I've said, okay, well, my body is a temple now, yeah. and that's what I'm doing. And I suppose
1: that's that's the challenge and has been for a long time is as people try to change uh, the system and, and and want to bring in these um, programs where you know we need to talk more and open up more about this. I don't think we've ever figured out how do you do that, especially I think for men, is how do we do that without that lubricant? Um, that's like the hardest, the hardest thing to do is like forcing people who maybe don't know each other very well to open up about things is very difficult without alcohol.
0: Yeah, I find success with talking to people about it is just rather than you know the token like you said before, are you okay? and then uh, get them to try to draw it out of them. You're not going to have success with that. When you talk about shared experiences, yeah. then that's when people will go, oh, that actually, yeah, that reminds yeah. me, I went to a job once, this is how I yeah. felt, and you, you can talk about that. By talking about your own experiences and shared mm. experiences, that's when you're going to draw it out of each other. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I
3: also think it's amazing for these young recruits to have you, Andy, to come and then you have that chat to them to start out. Like, yeah. That's, that, that's going to open up a whole different... You know, level of what they're thinking their job's going to be and yeah. what they're expected to, you know, to. I don't know, even know what to say. Like their expectations of it and yeah. who they can go to. Like that's different to just coming in. What your experience, Tommy? Maybe which ones that? would just be different. Like when from when oh. you started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you find when you do that talk with um, the first years, do they do they have an understanding of it, or is it still? What I, it doesn't make sense yet.
2: Where I'm plugged into them, I, I do the lecture on their first day at the academy. So they graduate on the Thursday. They start work at South Brisbane District on the Friday. So they're a, bit, a little bit tuned out because they've graduated, they've been given a the badge, they've got their guns and everything. They want to go out and fight crime and drop Yeah. Around. But here they are, they have to listen to this bloke with this black dog running around talking how doom and gloom, how the job's going to be. Mm but I always talk about the job fondly and I say the job is really good and sometimes they have the field training officers in there with me and I get that so they're they're going to be the training officer for the new new recruits and I was sitting there once and I because I try and I always ask people did they get something out of that because mm. if they don't well I've got to change my yeah, yeah. Get a message um and I sat there and there's this senior constable in there and he. Jaded, you could tell he was jaded. He was sitting there with his arms crossed. Mm. He was giving me no body language, and he's just glaring at me. And so I'm giving this lecture, and I never had the, the FTOs in there before. And he, the what, sorry, their field training officers. Oh, okay, yep. So they they'll they train the newly sworn in police officers for four four weeks, four weeks or yeah. nine weeks at a time. Yep. And so all they do is work for that same person. And anyway, I'm sitting there, and I'm and I'm getting really shitty at this bloke because he's just <laughs> glaring at me, and I'm, and I'm a senior sergeant. And he was a senior constable, so he's quite low down. And you know me, Tom, I'm never one about say, so I'm the fucking senior sergeant, you'll <laughs> to me like yeah. this. I'm pretty relaxed. And most people will just call me by my first name. And it doesn't bother me. i am not never been one on, on on rank. But this guy was shitting me off. And anyway, at the end, he asked a question. I went, oh, here we go. And he says, well, people might be reluctant to talk to you because uh, you'll know that they'll get their gun taken off them and they'll get counter duties yeah yeah Uh, and i said well i've actually spoke to the the bosses and that's not our focus yeah sure if you're if you're critically injured mentally of course we've got to take a firearm off you yeah if you're getting admitted to a psych a psych ward and you're on strong medication of course we're going to take your firearm off you Mm. for your safety and our safety but if you're just reaching out and saying i've got a problem we're not going to take your firearm off you and he said something smart. I didn't catch it. And so I finished up and I said to the... I finished up and I went, oh, I'll get the shits with you. <laughs> so I said, um, look, when when you get out there, if your FTO ever says to your TJF, the job's fucked, get rid of him. Go to your training officer straight away and say you don't want to work with that person. Because I don't want you... Getting yeah, that yeah, there's someone that hates the job already, yeah, and who's got that negative attitude, and yeah, like, that's one thing I've hated. Not I know coppers have had it on their personalised plates, T J F, and
0: it's next level.
2: I I really hated that because as I said, I've done this job for thirty years. I still love coming to work, and people that start the shift dogs oh the job's fucked. You know, <laughs> well, what does that instill in you? You just yeah, think, oh. mm. so, and that's it's the same
1: in the army, like guys, you know, get the, they've had enough, you know, and it just brings everyone else yeah. down. Like, yeah, yep. it's, yeah, it's very frustrating.
2: Um,
3: it changes the whole mood, doesn't it? It yeah. changes yeah, the vibe of the a, whole. Yeah,
2: it sets the mood. It, it, and you can see it in a station when, you know, when you've got a good crew on. Yeah.
0: You can feel the vibe. Yeah, you, you, you have
2: a great shift and everyone gets out and and has a great time, and, and it, sometimes it's shit, but you get out there and have a good time. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, no. it is shit, but, like, you've chosen to do that.
2: You mm. chose the only the other thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, you've got to make
1: the most out of what it is. There's going to be yeah. shit days, but you have to make the most out and remember why you're doing it in the first place, and that's to help people. And yeah. if you're not getting enjoyment out of that, you're in the wrong You're in the wrong gig, and that's yeah. the same for any job or any service that you're in. Yeah, absolutely.
2: We're starting to teach now resilience training. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the service is spending a full day and the psychologists spend a whole semester on it. We cram it into one day. So we do a bit, you do a bit of pre-work and they ask you all the questions and then they, they come in there and, they, and then you get a score. And you get a score for all the different sections like personality and everything like that. So they go through and they do this score on what sort of person you are. But resilience training, they're saying, okay, we can't stop police getting exposed to this trauma that mm-hmm. we see. And it'd be like the army getting deployed you can't stop them seeing the trauma that yes. you to see. Mm-hmm. but we can build resilience in them, so it's not going to affect them so much. Yes. So we and that they, if they do like myself, if and I'm and I'm credit that I keep myself fairly fit, that I'm able to bounce back, and I am up to six days, you know, a week. Then I'm good. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, If I wasn't resilient, I think I would have fallen off the perch, and I wouldn't be back to work for about six months. Yeah. So that's what we're teaching in the services. Okay. And what we're saying is that you need to exercise. You need to watch your diet. You need to watch how much piss you drink. Yeah. You need to wake up in the morning and say, it's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the sun, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. How lucky am I? Mm. If you jump out of bed in the morning and go, oh, fuck, job's fucked. Got mm. to go to night work, whatever, it sets the mood for the whole day. Yep. So, yeah, that's what, and, and, there's, and there's no shame in what falling off the perch. That's what yeah. we've got to get across. Yep. And if you look at it, and I come from, my my in-laws are all doctors and a lot of their friends are all doctors. An endocrinologist once said, um, we had to put one of my kids on some medication. He said, it's only a chemical imbalance. That's all we're doing, fixing that that chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, our bodies aren't trained, whether we're police, military or whatever, we're not trained to see what we see. No. Mm.
0: That much stimulus. Yeah. That's what I've said before, like with our job. You don't know what you're going to next. Yeah. You know, mm. one minute you're laughing with your partner having a coffee, then all of a sudden it's on. Your adrenaline's shot through. You're seeing yeah. stuff you weren't really expecting to in that moment. Then you're done with it. Then you go to the next job and you're constantly spiking. You As a human being, mm. yeah, you're going to have some issues from that because yeah. you're all over the place. It's
3: not Your body's not meant to go through that much fight-flight resistance. Yeah, exactly. yeah. that's yeah. right. And that's,
2: and that's exactly what uh, a lot of my psychologists said. You either got to fight or flight. And when I was talking about that job, when I when I got out of the car, a a guy stopped his car and was getting out of the car, and a push bike rider stopped his car, and I'll never forget the look on their faces. When I actually, because I was about ten meters back from when it happened, but I and they were right there, so they getting out of the cars, the look on their face, and they had the fight or flight. Mm. I had the mode. I was in mode like, okay, we to I've got to yeah. put on, I've got to do safety, and then I've got to treat this person, see if they're treatable. They just went, fuck this. Yeah. Gone. Mm. Didn't stay. They never hung around and this guy sped off, the pushbite rider. Yeah. So, they had that fight. And
0: that's a story. They'll, they'll go back to their families and they'll tell that story forever. It's like a big moment in their mm. life probably seeing that. But are
2: trauma, I guarantee you they'll yeah. be traumatized. Yep. From. Yeah. And then
0: we go to that. Who knows how many times we'll go see that, you know. And there's, you know, you'd have over 30 years service. You'd have so many traumatic events. You probably haven't even... You can't remember some of them. Yeah, I remember all of them. You remember all of them, yeah. but there is that many. You know, and some are going to be worse than others. Yeah, as well, obviously. Yeah.
3: And you can only tolerate so much. Like you yeah. said, like cups overflowing, like thirty yeah. years worth of overflowing. Yeah,
2: but see, as I said, I'm, I'm, I pride myself that I am pretty resilient. Yeah, and and one of the things that's in my head in the initial stage was taking the sick leave. Yeah, and breaking down. I was embarrassed when I broke down at Dutton Park, mm. and because I'm the I'm the person that. Is the rock for the whole district, yeah. And and one of the focuses that have been pushed back to me is you need to focus on yourself, yeah, yeah. definitely. And then what would you do differently? Mm. And you know, I'd do differently, I wouldn't chase after that bloke that shoulder charged me and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I remain calm, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but that's that's the thing, you know, it's a fight or flight. I think that's a great
3: mm. thing.
0: I think it's important, you just said before, you know. When you and me were talking in the day room and you did break down, you said you were embarrassed about it. I think it's important for people to see that our leadership suffers. Oh, as yeah. Well. Like, you're definitely. out in the road all the time, and yeah, we expect you to be that rock, and that's how we look at you. But to know that, okay, fuck, he can, he can feel like this as well.
3: Mm. And it's okay. And it's okay. And he can come yeah. back you know, better.
0: Nothing to be embarrassed about. Mm. Oh, yeah, but it's just,
2: but the, yeah, that's it's just, that, just that, you, yeah, that's, actually, that's how you feel. The inner voice is the worst voice. Oh, know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. That's why I think biggest whoever's critic?
0: listening to this or watching this, you know, other coppers will appreciate you coming on and talking about this stuff because they don't. You know, you don't always hear about this.
2: There's so many of us. Yeah, there are so many of us that are that are suffering in silence. I don't mm. think you can do
0: this job for more than twelve months and not have a job or something that affects you or be affected in some way. Because, like we said, you go into these things. Like you can't hide from these things. You, you have to go to these jobs.
2: Mm. That's one of the reasons why I built that gym up. That's one of the reasons why I invested in this gym downstairs. The, the gym was shit; it was doing nothing.
0: Is that our station? Yeah, yeah. station. Yeah. So yeah.
2: while I was there, um, I had the luxury of being there for a while, and because the last boss retired, and I saw this space, and I said, "Right, well, if if these guys are going to cope with what's out there, straight away they need a good gym downstairs." And the gym that we've got now, and another blokes jumped on board and and run with it too. Yep.
0: Shout mm-hmm. out to Brady, good work, mate.
2: Yeah, um, and he's actually won an award for it. The gym is. It's better than any Snap Fitness. Oh wow! it yeah, is good. It is fantastic. That's so, so good. And it, and it, there's a bar set up down there now, so people oh, can have, have a drink afterwards. So, mm. just those little things, you know, building resilience, getting your yep. troops strong. But yeah, it's okay to break down, and yeah. I, and I agree with that. Now, it's okay. Yeah. To break down, it's okay to share your feelings. Yep. It's mm. okay to shed a tear. Yeah, mm. absolutely. With um, and it doesn't you, make me less of a man, no, god, not no, really less of a man all. It humanizes mm. us, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: because right. yeah. so. a lot of the public, you know, with all the stuff we deal with, they don't see this side, they just expect a lot they of people they see the expect, uniform, they, they don't see the, the human, our, yeah. You know, and when we're dealing with their job, you know, they want all of our, our attention, and rightfully so, but they may not understand what we've been through
3: or what you've been to, yeah. or been
0: to, yeah, earlier in the day or days leading up, you mm. know. So, yeah, this humanizes us, uh. Did want to ask you? You'd probably be interested to know as well, Madison, with your wife. Oh
3: yeah. How does she, uh,
0: how does she go with when you do fall off the perch and have times like this? It, does she have things in place to help you? Does she understand how to help you?
2: Yeah, my wife's as my pillar of support. Yep. Um, what I what I did um, what I consciously stopped doing uh, a while ago was relaying everything that happens at work. Yep. Mm. because what I was doing was it was stressing my wife out and she's more worried about me, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, she always says, um, you're the strongest, most resilient man I've ever known. Mm. The things that you, you see and do and you just bounce back. Yep. And ever, since this happened, and she's, but she's always been my rock yeah, and I always can bounce off her. Um, she was away that weekend, so I didn't have... and and it's nothing she went on a girls weekend yeah yeah who knows what's going to happen exactly yeah. so she t- t- knew straight away she said something wrong and uh, I've, I've got into bed at night and i've had a punch-up and i've got a black eye or something and she said only recently i've got a punch-up and uh and i had to go hands-on with someone i hopped in bed she was dead to the world and she woke up and said are you all right you're injured and I went, <laughs> and she couldn't put a finger on it. She just knew. Wow. Um, so, but yeah, behind every great man, and I don't consider myself great, but my wife is, and I'm blessed to be have such a beautiful wife, yep. loving wife, and a supportive wife. And, mm. she, and she's and she been nothing but supportive for this. And even my kids have been um, supportive um, because I, I wasn't aware that when you, you get angry all the time. You get righteous, so you get righteous. Like, I was getting righteous about freaking everything. Like, I was just, I was just and it wasn't until it was pointed out to me that that's yeah. just part of what you're going through. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's all right. So I told the family, and they, but they were very understanding. Yeah,
1: and once you start, like, once it's pointed out to you and you can start seeing yourself, that's the only time you can start changing that behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, and my wife. We'll start changing it. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Every my time I got to point it out. <laughs> my wife's got a really good. When I'm come home crankier, I speak to her rough, and I don't speak to her roughly often. But when I short with it, yeah, she says, "I'm sure you don't mean to sound the way you're sounding to me." Oh, I love that. What, <laughs> straight, yeah. Uh, yeah. My psychology... Just to keep and calm I go, and I say that. Can I write that down? Yeah, yeah, I'm going yeah, to write it down. <laughs> so, and it Puts it straight back on you. Yeah. yeah. And yep. I actually say it to the crooks as well. I'm sure you don't mean to. Say so, you know how when they get short with you, yeah, mm-hmm. and I actually put it back on them, and and that's it's reverse psychology where you're saying that makes them think, and it makes me think,
3: mm-hmm. so it
2: changes the way I'm talking. Yeah, so yeah.
3: probably helps. She's a nurse too. She's got that loving, you know, yeah, yeah. I, energy already, and well, so yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I know I'm blessed. Of, yep. Yeah, I've been married twenty years. Been um, going out twenty five years.
3: So. Oh wow! So, so she's been just goes all. all happy to go along with all the different yeah. job changes and
2: well, she has not she's not win she went to early Beach. no i wouldn't win about that she, <laughs> uh, she was going to go to charleville or cunnamulla when i was yep. putting in for sergeants because i was putting for sergeants jobs everywhere yeah, yeah. yeah. she was going to go anywhere and that's when we came back i drove from Bo- i drove from brisbane to Bow desert every day and like my, my position came with a house uh, because i said where do you want to live you followed me around where do you want to live and she goes i want to live in our own house yeah. yeah i said fair enough i'll drive yeah. So, but yeah, resilience training—you've got to have someone that you can speak to. Mm. So we spoke a lot about,
1: you know, the um, programs and things they're starting to bring out for um, for police officers. Now, is there anything where um, there's support groups for spouses or work groups for spouses, or e- even like just at a station level where? Because um, I know at my work, like um, they try and organise, you know, functions and whatnot, and get the partners involved, so all the partners can meet each other and things like that. Are you guys doing that kind of thing as well, or uh,
2: only for really critical incidents, okay. like a uh, police shooting or something like that? Yeah, the psychologists actually come to the partner as well and 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 in bed with them as well because they're affected as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that is actually, that's actually that that is the well, oh, you said the army's starting to do that, aren't
2: they? Yeah, so there's
1: always family days that's um, organised by brigades and, 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 and the bigger formations, but um, and even down to a, a small unit level, there they do organise those family days, but I find not a lot of people end up going to them because yeah. it's sort of like forced fun and things like that. But like, I think we're striking, starting to get kind of a bit of a balance. Like it only happens once or twice a year, but um, the hierarchy will make sure that if we do have like a... Um, a function or a cocktail mm. party it's not just you know an end of year functions for the guys to get a pierce it's yeah. no you're bringing your partners because they put up with all this crap all year you being away and all that stuff for yeah. them to be able to come together and you know have a have a drink together and get to know each other a bit better so kind of try and build that network up as well so that the spouses yeah. know each other and um because yeah they go through a lot like people oh, away. Yeah, yeah. and
2: the, the shit tars everyone yeah you know the, it just...
1: I'd say that would probably exist more in like
0: um, rural postings because smaller communities you don't really have anyone else to rely on would you so
2: Blue Desert we were very social Fairley yeah. Beach were very social mainly because the social club was the end of my front yard <laughs> <laughs> and, and the boss that I work with and that's one of the reasons I went there he's an outstanding boss um, and we are set sorry to see him go because he got promoted but he was really big on uh, having functions. Like yep. we'd have a function every uh, every couple of weeks. So we'd yeah. have a barbecue, and we'd all and wives were always encouraged to come, wives and girlfriends and boyfriends. Yep. always encouraged, and there would always be a good turnout. Mm. So and that, and that was his doing. And that's what one thing he saw. And we were f- Early Beach. All the bosses want to come and visit Early Beach. Yeah. So we had the commissioner. We'd have the assistant commissioner coming all the time. You'd have the superintendent because they they say oh, I'm going to Early Beach to a station visit. Yeah, but really they go on there to have, oh look at this lovely place. <laughs> so, and, sorry, yeah, so that's but yeah, that's that's the best I've seen it. Yeah. at, at Whit Sunday Station, uh, that was the one of the and and I tried to bring that in it by desert as well. Yeah, um, so I'd make sure that okay, let's have this function and let's have golf days and yeah,
1: I really believe like on a ground level like that first line defence for for people's mental health is forming that strong-knit community and like tribe um, and making sure that, you know, like you're not going to relate to someone or even go and talk to someone if you don't know them, if you only see them for like, you know, five minutes here and there, like as you're passing them and things like that, like until people get to actually know each other yeah. in a social setting, not necessarily about work, that's when people yeah. start to open up more. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree.
2: And and try not to talk about work too much. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. Try and talk about life yeah.
1: and, yeah. that, and that's where the, I think the spouses come in and make it that a whole lot easier because yeah. they're not—they don't want to talk about that crap, you know. No. You know, there's heaps of other stuff going on that they, you know, and they're able to like kind of mediate that. Uh, yeah,
0: that's yeah. why I hate when you go to, uh, you know, go to work drinks or whatever, and I'm like, don't, I don't want anyone to talk about work. And then you always hear that phrase. Someone will say, "So I was at this job the other day, <laughs> or I had this one job." Oh my God, don't do it. Let's yeah. just talk about other stuff. Surely you've got hobbies. You know, mm. sure you have a life. Well.
2: That the visits that I've had from people and gone to have coffee, the ones that I've really enjoyed is the ones we didn't talk about work. Yeah. 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 I've had visits from people and they'll tell me about the most horrific jobs they've been to. I don't want to hear no. that. No. I don't want to hear that five people got splattered all over the road. Yeah. No. You know, like, I want to just talk about shit. Yeah. I just yeah. Want to say, oh, this coffee's nice. Oh, what a great yeah. day. Yeah. That's
0: one thing we've said like, just about every episode. Yeah, It all comes back to that identity. We talk about with soldiers finding a new identity. Same with first responders emergency services coppers when you're not at work you don't just be a police officer like have have other things have things you can talk about another mm. social network as well that aren't just in the job yeah well that's when you get jaded and yep. you have issues um mate like for, if you have a final message or final note especially for police officers listening do you have one for how to look after each other what we can do at a station level maybe to look after each other
2: uh just look at your people look at like and that and that's one thing I think one of my strengths is—you might differ—but one of my strengths is uh, I know my staff under my control, and I know when they're going through things, yep. and I and I, I look out from at jobs, mm-hmm. and I look at how people react, and and it may only be a little thing, like it it might go, hey, look, they've never come out and say I'm not coping with this, yeah, um, and I just to tidy, I just I noticed the one bloke that I was really concerned about uh, at that job I told you about yep. that, that affected me was he came and shouted at this guy who was dying on the road. Like, really give him a godful. And, like having a go at him? Oh, yeah. Why the fuck did you do that for you? Yeah. Stupid cunt? And well,
0: that's a red flag right there. I mm. looked up.
2: I couldn't stop what I was doing, but I looked up and went, right, I'm going to go see you. Mm. And I made a point the next day to go see him. And I rang him that night and I spoke to him and said, um, I just wanted to touch base and see if you're all right. Mm. Because I'm not. I'm not all right. And I said, I broke down at the top of the street there, and he goes, I really appreciate it because you normalised it for me. I th- he thought it just himself. Yeah. yeah. And what we need to do, and as I said before, the the enlisted people, the non-commissioned officers, are the ones that are going to solve our friends' problems mm. and be there for them. And not just say, oh, text them and say, oh, yeah, am uh, I here for you? Yeah. Make an effort. Go see them. Yep. Mm. Let's have coffee. Let's do coffee. And don't talk about work. Don't tell us about your gory, bloody jobs. <laughs> mm. Just talk about life in general, Yeah. You know?
0: Just spend time with them and, yeah, yeah, yeah have a, a laugh. They're, they're
2: sitting at home. They're sitting at home. And if they're having a bad day, it they're going, oh, woe is me. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think as we're the ones, and blokes especially, we're the ones that are going to break down that stigma mm. and help our mates.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, mate, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks That's for right. your time. Thank you very much. That's fine. Uh,
2: this is outstanding. I've, I've seen a few of your episodes and... Um, I actually went through the academy of Sean O'Gorman. Oh, Oh, okay. So we were at the same thing. So I've known him fairly well. Yeah, right. Um, So this sort of thing, I think, can only get bigger and bigger. Um, And it's this sort of thing that can, and I don't know how many people follow this. I believe it's in the hundreds. So a
0: few now. We're getting there. You know.
2: So you're reaching out to a fair few people are sitting at home watching this, and saying that's that's it's all right. Mm. The way I feel, it's all right.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully. If everyone can share share the page, like we want to get as many people listening. So, yeah, we've you know, there's that many stories to be shared, like Andrew's story today. Like, I'm sure there's so many police officers or Mm. you know, first responders, AJs as well, that have a very similar experience. And, you know, hopefully you get something out of this. Uh, But, yeah, mate, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. it. Look forward to seeing you on the road again. Till next time, the maladjusted monkeys, we're out.